Welcome to Podcast 6 in the Indigo Tent. We're drawn into thousands of interactions every day that demand our energy. Those interactions can pull us out of alignment with our thoughts, our actions, and our higher self. We end up feeling fragmented, emotional, and basically out of harmony. This state of being stuck impacts every interaction we have, both personally and professionally. Join us on this journey of transformation. Here in the Indigo Tent, we have conversations about changing what's stuck and finding some joy along the way. This transformation is what we call energy in motion. This is the process of joy, and this, dear listener, is our purpose. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to the Indigo Tent. I had an interesting encounter and observation about myself the other day. And I'm hoping we can have a conversation about that. Ooh, sounds yummy. (laughs) So I had a circumstance that happened with a person that was just a little bit troubling. Okay, it was a lot troubling. And after I left that location, got home, I realized I needed to take a walk. I needed to get moving to help release the energy, to release the emotion that was trapped inside of me after dealing with this person. I walked. I thought about it. I moved, I got some adrenaline, some fresh air, and I felt better. And I realized I had taken your advice. When you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you're full of some type of an emotion, to get moving. And that's what I did. So let's talk about that today. Why does that work? How does it help? And give us some examples of movement besides walking. Oh, cool. One of my favorite topics. So we're all creatures of emotion. And it's interesting to look at the kind of the, the history of the word emotion. Um, it's traced back to a few different languages, but primarily Latin, where it said that the derivation or the origin of emotion is energy in motion. Ah. And when I'd read that a while back, it was just like, Zah! the light went on, energy in motion. Indeed. That is truly what we are. If you think about it, energy equals matter, matter, oh well, yeah. Um, So like the saying, we're creatures of habit, we're also creatures that need motion. Absolutely. We, if you think about how a baby learns about the world around him or her, they do it through interacting, through touching, through feeling, through experiencing, through moving through their world. That's how they learn. That's how we still learn until we go to school and we're told to sit still at this desk. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) And then we wonder why we have behavior problems. Right. Mm. Well, that's another episode. Right. However, uh, so, so it's really important to think about if we are truly beings of energy, then energy is constantly in motion. The world around us is made up of vibrations. Right. Vibrational energy, electricity, sound, thoughts even are waves. Our water works in waves. All of this are sound waves or light waves, energy waves, if you will. And so what's really interesting to look at and to consider here is that emotional molecules, if you will, move through the body through our neural receptors. Then those kind of congregate in different places. In the Eastern medicine philosophy, emotions like anger end up in the liver resentment and bitterness maybe in the in the bladder and so on and so forth sometimes our sense of direction uh, not literally but figuratively it might end up in our knee and so if we if we don't move 
then those neural receptors just kind of keep hanging out. We feel, and they, they build up and build up and build up until now we're stressed and the body says, um, excuse me, hello, um, need, some, uh, need to give you some information here. Need some assistance. Yeah. <laughs> Help, Houston, we have a problem. I've been studying energy medicine within the realm of yoga and I'm following several different teachers of this train of thought. Their philosophy, their, their mode of instruction is that pain is simply energy that's stuck in our body. Mm-hmm. And they're working on the meridians, the Asian way of thinking. Like acupuncture. Yes. Yeah. And so, for instance, one thing that I'm learning is that if you're constipated, for instance, you've got to get the lymph moves, moving. And one way to do that is to exercise, right? To, to, to walk. get the legs going. Specific exercise. It has to be weight-bearing movement. Mm-hmm. Um, not weight-bearing as in the sense of pick up a weight and move it. Right. Or lift and follow, but as in walking. Right. Um, yeah, the, the lymph system is our secondary circulatory system, but it doesn't have a heart that's pumping it like, like the blood system does. It needs those muscles. So for it to move, we have to move. Right, right. The energy in motion gets the lymphatic system going. And the lymphatic system is basically like the body's, for lack of a better word, sewage system. It's, it's taking out all the waste products from our cellular activity and f- trying to flush it out through our bladder. So if, if we don't move, then all of that waste byproduct gets stuck in our body and we become basically a toxic wasteland. Right. So it's manifesting in some type of turmoil within our body. Mm-hmm. Turmoil, trauma, our just simply stuck emotions. Right. We could say earlier today when we were, uh, you know, prepping for one of our recordings. We were stuck. We were stuck. We were. We kind of hit that mental wall. And even though it's not necessarily an emotion, it was... It was like a, you know, we would just have run out of mental energy, stamina, bandwidth. Right. All so of those. you suggested a walk, and even though it's pretty cold right now here in Texas, we took a good half mile walk, got some some energy going, came some vibration. Back, Woo. Yeah, came back to the house and and really hit the ground running. It was good. It was, and so by by realizing that we do need to move, just that simple change of scenery mm-hmm. allowed us to get unstuck and to move forward. And so that's kind of what I've noticed my whole life, uh, probably a big reason why I've been drawn to movement through dance, through fitness and sports, is that we are creatures that need to move. And, it, and I notice myself especially, if I don't get enough activity, uh, I start going into what feels like a depression. Right. I know exactly what you mean. Now, you've written books on movement, especially focused on dance. Dance is a great participatory type of exercise. You're playing off of the energy and therefore the emotion of either a group or a partner. Talk to us today about how movement in dance releases endorphins. Woohoo! So I like to think of that in terms of the partnership. It's like a triangle. Well, I like to do a lot of partner dances, like ballroom dance, swing dance, Latin dances, those things. So there's this, this triangular partnership, if you will. There's you and your sense of balance. There's your partner and your partner's sense of balance. There's also the balance as a partnership, and that is dependent upon the music. The music. I knew you were going to bring that in. Okay. Yes. So the music, if you think about it, music is a compilation of sound waves as well. So hard to do a salsa to a waltz beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen people try. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think about that in terms of that partnership and that, that connection to the music actually invites us to connect with the sound waves of that particular beat. 
and when we are resonating, when we are moving in harmony when with we're the music, yes. now we are basically expressing pure joy. Right. And then we have energy in motion, and we're helping those emotions to balance out, to level out, to not let anger have a stranglehold on us or depression have a, a, a block within that sense of joy that we want to release and to let flow in our lives. Exactly. By the way, there's a really interesting book written by a scientist, Candace Pert, called The Molecules of Emotion. And she talks about her, her work, um, and she's one of the ones that discovered the neural receptors and that the emotions travel through those uh, neural receptors. So it's really a yeah, that's fascinating, fascinating read. Yeah, that is. And then there's a little bit about, you know, the background of the politics of science in there too, which is kind of juicy. Always. <laughs> but but these, these uh, emotions are literally, they're messages for us. They help us interpret what is, is being seen or being felt in our environment. If you look at it from a historical perspective, they are what helped us stay alive by responding to our environment. Right. We knew when it was time to run away. Right. Or time to hide. Uh, time to hide or, or keep ourselves safe. Um, so they, they serve a purpose. But we've now, in today's society, have kind of said, well, you know, emotions, who needs that? And so now we're constipated from a sense of emotional constipation. In other words, we can't have them until we can't stop them. Right. And then we explode. Let's go back and let's talk about um, sound again. I remember several years ago when I invited you into my classroom. I used to teach in public school. I taught language arts and social studies. When we were when we were studying the Civil War, you came in and you did lessons about the different type of dances that were popular during the late 1800s. But what was fascinating for myself and my students, you shared with us that the first sound we hear as humans is that of a heartbeat. And you shared with my students the sound that is prevalent in each culture, each society, each era is based off of rhythm. Now, where I'm going with this is I've noticed that the big thing in yoga right now is the gong bath or different types of music, chanting, Sound mantras, rules. exactly, to, to take people into a deeper experience within the movement of yoga. So talk about how sound and movement come together, obviously on this cellular level, right? Quite literally, on the cellular level. We have what we call the emotional brain, uh, which is where the neural circuits are connecting uh, to the analytical brain and back and forth. And then the emotional brain is connected to every, every area of the brain. And on the analytical side is not. It's only on its little section. Its own path. <laughs> its own path, right? Uh, because, and it's designed that way. Emotions can receive information quicker than analysis. That makes so much sense, doesn't right? it? Right. So we can we can intuitively respond to our environment, but to analyze requires a whole other set of steps to gather the information, to decide what's important, to look at the process of of what decisions or options do you have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That takes a little extra time and effort, mm -hmm. whereas emotion is just pure Adrenaline? reaction. Pure reaction. Yeah. Um, and so for our survival purposes, right. we needed that emotion. Right. But now, thankfully, we have evolved, shall we say. And this is, you know, this analytical aspect is one area that does set us apart from the rest of the animal kingdom, if you will. Uh, it allows us to then s bypass the original emotional reaction and now put some, some thoughts about it or get out of that loop of 
of stress, of chronic stress, if you chronic, will. Chronic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or chronic anger. We have, unfortunately, so many people who are stuck in the emotion of anger and then therefore cannot act appropriately within society. I saw it all the time with children in the public schools that were labeled emotionally disturbed. And I'd like to hope, I'd like to believe that eventually there will be more awareness of bringing yoga or any type of movement beyond just the basic PE, but bringing movement in Mm -hmm. that will bring about healing and also a little bit of sound therapy for those children that are struggling with their emotions that are in overdrive. Yes, they're in, they're in like constant stressful situations. And yet at the same time, they have no basis, no grounding for understanding the feelings that they're feeling. They don't have a way to label, oh, this is what hurt feels like. This is what anger feels like. This is what betrayal or, you know, all the different words feel like. And so then they're just walking around going, ah, I have so much stimulation coming in. I don't know what to do with it. Right. Or how to manage it. And especially how to manage it. Right. Uh, this is actually really exciting. I earlier this year went to, uh, attended the Oprah's 2020 Vision Tour. And there she interviewed Lady Gaga, who was talking about her own experiences with mental health. And I, and I put this emotional intelligence, if you will, in the area of mental health or mental wellness. It's not, doesn't mean mental health means that you have a disorder or a dysfunction right. mentally or emotionally. But how it, do we manage? How do we? Yes. What is, yeah, what's the well-being exactly. for our mental, emotional um, body? Right. And that's one reason why yoga is so good for us, because it truly is a mind-body connection. It's an avenue where we can move and we can quiet that monkey mind mm. because we're having to really focus on some specific moves, but also moves that are designed to the parasympathetic system. It's des- that's what I thought. Design those movements within yoga are designed to just calm that nervous system down. It's a beautiful thing. I see it, it every time I teach, and and we feel it every time we we move that way. And what's what's really beautiful earlier, you were saying um, so much about in yoga is the focus of breath work and yes. the rhythm of breathing. Right. When we did our practice this morning, it was that rhythm of breathing, which there we go again. Right. Energy in motion. Energy in motion. And that's where the whole basis of mindfulness comes from, is being aware of your energy in motion. I love it. I love it. So here's a here's an opportunity for you listeners to hear something that's really unique. We were talking about the gong bath a few minutes ago. Um, Wendy's going to share with us an instrument that she's learned over the past few years that helps to bring harmony and balance into your whole entire being, but especially to soothe your nervous system. So talk about your instrument here. Oh, I'm so excited. A few years ago, I hesitantly went to a a workshop. And as soon as I got in there, I heard this instrument and I was immediately drawn to the sound, to the rhythm of it. It was just like one of those attractions. So afterwards, I was like, what is this thing? I need to know. And it, it had such a strong impact on me. I ended up acquiring one. Uh, the instrument's called a Mona Lina from the company Fieldtone out of Germany. And the point of it is based on the uh, monochord concept from Pythagorean, I believe. The notes are very similar. And so by playing those strings repetitively, it creates this sort of overtone in the music. And it just literally, it puts your body back in tune homeostasis. Right. So back into balance. So let's finish off playing that for a few minutes. Let's do it. 